<laughs> Man. Did you did you see when I threw that tear gas right in that lady's face? It was awesome. Yeah, I loved it, man. You see when I removed that guy's mask, I, I sprayed him pepper spray right in the eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Classic. I love it when they say, stop it, we're being peaceful. We're just trying to get our point across. <laughs> I love when they bring the kids. Time for them to see how useless their parents are. Excuse me, fellows. Are you standing there talking about how you're attacking peaceful protesters? Huh? Uh, what's it matter to you? Yeah, well, you care, British guy. You don't even live here. Go back to your home country. What was that? Couldn't quite hear you. Why don't you come a little closer and tell me? Oh, you're gonna get a face full of pepper spray that way. Rebuff overdrive! <laughs> you fellows have no dignity. Hey everybody and welcome back to No Dignity, the Jojo Shoujo, reminding you that protecting black people against police brutality is a Jojo reference. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Chris A. And I'm Alejandro Vargas. Um, and just for a tiny bit of context, we are recording this June 2nd, 2020. So if <laughs> this gets delayed on the editing, you're like, hey, those those were over like a month and a half ago. Now you know why. Yeah. Yeah, I'll try to get this one out in a reasonable time. Uh, but other than that, uh, hey guys, we're halfway through the year. Can you believe it? Oh man, jeez. Okay, um, so we've got a couple of, of interesting things going today. We have uh, a listener question from listener Rewind Gamer, um, and it's going to go in right here. Uh, hey guys, I've been a pretty big fan for a <coughs> little bit. And uh, I'd just like to know what your thoughts are on who Best Boy is in Part 4. My uh, other friends and I have had quite a few arguments. Um, the answer, at least the way I see it, is Mikitaka. But the way everyone else sees it is Koichi, which is... Mm, I, I don't see... I don't. That doesn't sit well with me. What do you guys think? Okay, so the question. Best Boy of Part 4. He, uh, I appreciate Rewind Gamer t- taking a stand and saying Mikitaka, probably unconventional choice. Extremely. Um, but, you know, let, let's, let's hash this out. So I think the first thing we have to figure out is what does it even mean to be best boy? To me, best boy is a category that is earned. It is a status. It is the ability to not only be a fan favorite, but to be useful and important in the story. You know, so I would mm-hmm. categorize mm-hmm. Koichi Okuyasu best boys, right? Now, someone like... Well, except that I think that a lot of times people use... I mean, obviously, best boy is not a scientific term. So, like, people have different definitions <laughs> of that. But, like, part five, the, the two best boy titles seem to most frequently get to, like, Naranja or Dopio, right? Yeah. So, I think there there has to be sort of, like, an element of cuteness to it, especially where it comes to Dopio. Like, people are just so enamored by how cute he is. Yeah. Yeah, when he uses a frog as a phone and shoves razor blades up a guy's ass, like how is that not cute? <laughs> but he like his demeanor is huh. so cute. He's just like his voice and everything. You know, and Narancha's got like the cutesy moments too. I think I think there's definitely like a cuteness element to it. Um, I think there's sort of like an innocence element to it that kind of goes hand in hand to it. Um, Narancha obviously like on a short fuse, but also ultra immature and kind of like helpless almost so it's like oh best boy you know yeah yeah hmm i'd say okiyasu fits that even more 
All I'll, right, go go for it. Let's hear it. Let's I'll hear tell it. you what. You're saying that innocence is part of it, this kind of like unaware, unawareness of what's happening around you. I'll tell you what. Okiyasus know what he's doing half the time. I mean, true. Very true. Yes. So alongside that, being Josuke's best friend, them having cute moments together, I'd say Okiyasu is a valid contender for best boy. I mean, true. He He's very pure-hearted. He's a big, strong dummy. Um, I, I literally, the other day... It was, you know, uh, week was stressed, stressing me out. World was stressing me out. And I literally watched Okuyasu eat Italian food. <laughs> I watched the whole episode just to make myself feel better. Because <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I just need to see him cry about water. And it'll make me, like, remind me that life is worth living um, for the simple things sometimes. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's got some amazing qualities um, for that that end of it. I don't necess- I don't love it. I think he- for a couple of reasons, I think mostly like he's too when he's not like in naive dummy mode, he's too badass. <laughs> like he he switches from like little kid dummy to like stereotypical Japanese gangster at the drop of a hat. Are you but saying- <laughs> it's it's like backed by this terrifying power. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to tell me that when Koichi stands up for himself, that excludes him from being best boy? Because I'd say that he gets pretty badass. Well, we're not, I mean, we're not on Koichi yet, but my, my, my thought here for, for Okuyasu is like, and again, like, I mean, I didn't want to turn it into a giant episode about best boys, but like, if you start looking at what people typically consider the best boys of other parts, like being terrifying isn't really one of them which i guess sort of contradicts myself because dopio can be very scary and narancha can be very scary um but i feel like there's a level of intimidation factor that okuyasu can generate um especially like you know it's it's like the best boys can get dangerous in jojo when they get unhinged but but uh okuyasu doesn't get unhinged he just like starts taking the situation seriously (laughs) And, you know, it's like when he starts threatening, like, Shigechi, <laughs> it's not cute. It's it's pretty scary. <laughs> like, he's going to hurt you, and he won't even have to use his stand. <laughs> we'll just do it. <laughs> so, I don't know. It doesn't... I love Okuyasu. We did a whole episode on Okuyasu. But for me, I don't know if he, he fits best boy category for me. Mm. I... Okay, if not Okuyasu, then it's definitely Koichi for me. And if not Koichi... I don't know who categorizes for best boy. Well, I mean, Koichi's a, the very popular choice, right? Even even Rewind Gamers friends were all like on Team Koichi for best boy. Exactly, exactly. I have to I have to side with Rewind Gamers friends. All right, when I say Koichi, you know, if me and Koichi were to stand side to side, to be the exact same height. <laughs> I could bump. Yeah, I, <laughs> I could bump into Jotaro's crotch with my face. And experience the euphoria that that would bring someone like Koichi. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. I mean, yeah, you do do self-identify with him quite a bit. Um, I mean, look, Koichi's great. Koichi's great. Uh, I think being best boy, though, I don't know. I think there's an element, and I'm I'm reading too far into this. I get that. But, like, there's sort of an element of static in a best boy character. Um, and Koichi is definitely not a static character. He definitely grows and changes a lot, mm-hmm. um, which is what makes him kind of compelling for uh, a character, which is why a lot of people, I think, joke that he's the protagonist. <laughs> but I mean, he goes from being like dumbfounded at 
Yukako's love confession to like saving her in a romantic gesture during the Cinderella battle, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, you know, suddenly he's going around telling people he's, he's kissing her and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, Koichi, growing Where up. Where did you get all this, dare I say, swagger? And I mean, I think his swagger reaches maximum levels during uh, the uh, the fight against Highway Star. <laughs> I mean, he's just like messing with that nurse on a level of like <laughs> it's it's just. I mean, outside of Echo's yelling to kill the hoe, uh, I mean, he's leaning against the door frame. He's like, "Oh, that looks really heavy. I bet that's really expensive." And you're like, "Jeez, Koichi." <laughs> You know, episode one Koichi could not have done that. <laughs> episode one Koichi would never. He wasn't even Koichi. He was Ganyaki. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I like Koichi. I think he hits a lot of the best boy qualities. He's cute. He's uh, he's not quite as naive, I think, as Okuyasu or like some of the other best boy characters we've mentioned. He seems to be the most aware of how strange things are and how peculiar the situations are. He's almost like, I think maybe, and now that I'm thinking about it out loud, he's sort of like the, the, the reader insert character, right? Like he's whom we see the story through. Oh, that's how I always read him. Mm. (laughs) You know, like he meets Jotaro in such a, I guess, obtuse way. But, like, now he's there for the story, you know? If you're uninitiated, well, Koichi's here to get you initiated. He's just as new to this mm. as anybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you're a longtime fan, he, he's almost like your self-insert, right? Like, oh, I wish I could have a stand. And then, you know, watching him get a stand, but not only is it a stand, <laughs> it's a stand with three forms. I wish I could get a stand and a girlfriend and, like, make fun of... <laughs> 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 and like like attack nurses <laughs> have my my best friend be a famous mangaka yeah and <laughs> that is a good point i had not considered oh my god koichi is a self-insert <laughs> or if not self-insert it's definitely like the fantasy fulfillment right? oh yes so that's interesting that's interesting i never really thought about that before with koichi good that's that was a good insight um <laughs> So for me, I don't know if that that fits with best boy material. And again, everybody's definition of best boy is going to be a little different. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not going on that train. I'm going to I'm going to stand with Rewind Gamer. I think Miki Taka is definitely the best boy. Being abused by the I mean, JoJo does not necessarily make you a best boy. I'm going to say it. No, but think. Let's think about it. Okay, so he he is extremely naive, right? Mm-hmm. Um exceptionally so like more so than any other character um maybe outside of foo fighters right <laughs> like he, he's he's quote unquote an alien acts like he doesn't know what anything is uh, you know um all he wants to do is like be friends he's handing out ice cream from his suitcase he's like you know oh you need help i'll transform into whatever you need and, and be helpful um and it's just like this really cute and pleasant guy who just follows around. He doesn't want to do anything but but help other people. In fact, he selflessly almost sacrifices himself during the uh, Superfly battle. Uh, you know, even Okuyasu's mm-hmm. like, "Whoa, you're useful! Like you're you're getting involved. We told you to stay <laughs> back." Like, <laughs> and yet he cleverly outwitted the guy for a minute. Um, 
and was willing to stay there in the tower to save Josuke, you know, which of course Josuke could not let stand because he's the Jojo and Jojos don't do that, but he was willing to do that for him. Yeah. And it, and in fact, my, my biggest piece of evidence, I think, is that at the end of the show, where we're seeing what everybody's doing, he's hanging out with the Superfly guy. <laughs> like, no one else is going out to hang out with the guy who lives in the thing by himself. He's like, hey, he's probably lonely. I'm going to go talk to him. Okay, so he's what compassionate. Nice yeah. <laughs> he's smart. He's, he's cute. He's naive. He's, uh, um... He is a, you know, he's, he's very pure-hearted. He's above our human understanding, right? <laughs> yeah, does it count if he's an alien? Hmm. I don't know. I don't want to be spacist. Oh god. <laughs> so he's definitely a contender. Look, I hadn't realized the glory that is Miki Taka until you start listing it off like this. I hadn't either, and I gotta give credit to Rewind Gamer, because when I first heard the voice message, I was like, really? Miki Taka? And then when I really started thinking about it, I was like, you know what? It's a really good point. Like, he's a very solid contender for Best Boy of Part 4. He's a solid contender. I'll give I'll give them that. I'll give them that. My vet, personally, still kind of with Koichi. We got that height solidarity going on. <laughs> but I guess Miki Taka is a close fourth. Wait, fourth? Yeah. <laughs> You you picked one and two. It was three. <laughs> oh, don't you know? Uh, other short boy, uh, guy with uh, surface, uh, Hazamata. You're picking Hazamata for third place best boy. Uh, quite possibly, yes. Okay, you better you better be ready to back this one up very carefully. All right. So I don't know how this is possibly gonna go. <laughs> so you know how a bunch of anime and manga have that like one pervy character. Okay. No, like MH, I, My Hero Academia has that one P. I guess like purple P-headed boy. And uh, I guess I, I've never look. I am such a JoJo fan. I've not even seen My Hero Academia. That's how dedicated I am. Oh, trust me. In my floorness. <laughs> it burns my eyes and ears to watch, but I'm too bored to not. <laughs> and so Hazamata over here, he is that character. He is that flawed individual that we don't actually see change, right? He stands firm right. in who he is and just how crappy of a person he is. But we do see and him. This, this is a good quality. We do see him one more time. <laughs> And even then, he's still a crappy person. But he has also lowered himself, physically and metaphorically, to be on Koichi's level. At least in the manga. Right. <laughs> so, it shows that in spite of all, he is trying to change. And he is changing in front of our eyes. Uh, behind the I panels. Don't... <laughs> you want the guy who's trying to use his stand to live out his rape fantasies to be third place best friend. <laughs> well, if you say it like that... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> How else am I supposed to say it? That's what he did. <laughs> That's what he's doing, I guess. Uh, uh, I can't. I can't go. I can't give. I was gonna say like after this, we should say people who definitely wouldn't be best boy. And Hazamata was gonna top my list. Now I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what's happening. Uh, what universe? Thanks for in? summarizing the year. <laughs> Yeah, this year is like uh, if a Hazmata got voted best boy for part four. What? Huh? He, what are you talking about? It's impossible. Um, I mean, like, 
So for fun, who would definitely not be best boy? Oh, Hazamata. Um, uh, Rohan cannot be best boy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rohan fans. I actually like Rohan a lot better now that I've been watching the OVAs, but um, he can't be best boy. I'm he can't sorry. be best boy? No, he's too, he's too self-centered. He's too smart and overpowered. That's what he is. What about Shigechi? She... Where does he fall? Okay, look, Shigechi, I really do like him. I think he could be a contender for best boy. Um, my only fault, he's a bit greedy, but then again, high schoolers did try to steal his money and also yeah. beat him up. So could we really fault him compared to like Josuke and Okuyasu? I would be really curious to see if people felt, I mean, people love Shigechi, so it's not like a big deal, but I, you know, I've, Rocky drew him so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> like if he'd been drawn cuter, would that have been different? I wonder. Actually, I think that would have detracted from it because I was just like, look, I'm already having an overload of cute characters in this part, all right? Mm. Well, we have Kaicho, we have Koichi, we have uh, uh, Tonio, you know? It's kind of a cutie overload, if you get what I mean. How come you named, how come you named three people that have conical heads? <laughs> or cylindrical heads? <laughs> uh, maybe there's just a pattern going on there, I don't know. <laughs> you love cylinders is what it is. <laughs> that's all it is it's just a love for cylinders i love those cil- those cylindrical boys in jojo you get me that polar f that um uh mm. thunder cross split attack man i, I uh, no not stride so dire dire yeah dire. that's why you don't you're not into part five there's no cylinders in part five you know Koichi. just not enough uh, oh yeah i guess he's there but not in cylinder form. That, he isn't in cylinder form. Oh, my oh God. God. I feel like we're we're stumbling upon some kind of weird surrealist meme where it's going to be like, we should make this meme, actually. Like, where it just shows the stages of Koichi, but in just, like, geometric prisms. <laughs> <laughs> and the second stage will be cylinder, and the third stage will be, like, I don't know, like a dodecahedron to indicate, like, all of his his hair. <laughs> I don't know. We'll work on that one. We'll Keep work. an eye out for that meme. If you see it, we did it. <laughs> Remember, if you see it, we definitely did it. It's definitely not one of you guys who listened to it and beat us to it. <laughs> Which, despite being most likely the case, definitely did not happen. <laughs> could, could probably. That's more likely. Yes. Well, anyway, Rewind Gamer, thank you so much for the question and thank you for being a listener. Um, I hope this has been good for you and. Uh, you know, you can you can play my part to your friends and be like, see, this guy on the internet agrees with me. He's got a whole podcast. Don't play Malik's part, though. I was going to say he could play my part in front of his friends, or his friends could play no, no, that no. my part in front of him and feel justified. Or you could tell your friends to listen, and then we get a few more listeners. That'd be, that'd be cool. Hey, hey, hey. That's that's smart. I was thinking about splitting this podcast in two different parts. You have to pay for either part, you know? Oh, jeez. <laughs> You have to pay for your audio, then pay for my audio and sync it together yourself. If you would like uh, to pay us to hold a specific JoJo opinion, um, we might consider that. (laughs) We might. might consider that. Mm -hmm. Depending on what it is. (laughs) But we're open to it. Send us an email. Please. Okay, so I recently finished Part 7 Steel Ball Run. Hmm? Um, like, uh, what was it, like a week ago, two weeks ago now I finished reading part seven. Um, and, uh, I guess I'm going to talk about it. So here is uh major spoilers for part seven. Um, so fast forward a bit, um, just until to you get to the 
meme of the week, I guess. King Crim- King Crimson it. <laughs> yeah. But like King Crimson Requiem, because it's probably the next 20 minutes or so. <laughs> Um, so overall, I thought it was a really, really good part. Um, it's very well written. I think the pacing is excellent. No dull moments, no weird spots. Um, like everything's always kind of propelling the the action forward. I thought the focus on just two characters was kind of a nice switch up. I mean, I love a Joe bro gang as much as the, as anybody else, but just having really the focus on Johnny and Gyro gave us an opportunity to really see that friendship grow and transform. Um, you know, they definitely start off as, you know, Gyro's teaching Johnny, and then over time it definitely becomes like a true friendship partnership thing. I can see that. Which is really cool. Um, I think what's what's interesting is that a lot of the way he was doing Part 6 influenced Part 7. Um, and I've said this about other aspects of of JoJo, where you can see... He tries out like part of an idea in an earlier part, and then like expands on it later. Um, I, I think like the the way that stands operate in part seven feel really different than all the other parts. I um, agree, and I mean partly, of course, it's a different universe, so a, a different source of the stands, but they they feel and operate extremely different from from anything else. And I think that that comes from part six, where you can see he's sort of playing around with how stands operate. He's really like pushing the limits of stands in part six. Um, you know, you got dragon's dream, which confuses people. Um, you know, you've got these stands that are based on like the logic problems, like the green baby, you're getting, you know, half the distance and half the size, and, <laughs> uh, which is basically like the prototype for the whole, like, you know, golden ratio thing. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that, you know, you've got a stand that, you know, seems to be an item <laughs> with cream starter. Um, not only an item, an item that persists after the user's death. <laughs> Although that did get me thinking, is it possible that cream starter, a.k.a. the meat spray, meat, Italian word for carne, <gasps> carne, stand user for notorious B.I.G. You're not. You won't. I'm just saying, I'm just putting that out there. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Oh. Secret is Rocky's bought out by the meat industry trying to tell us that meat <laughs> will make you live forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's why that's why Misto is feeding his uh his sex pistols the sausage. Right. Uh what although hmm, although Mista also talked about how you shouldn't eat humans because they probably taste terrible because they eat meat. Yeah, you have to understand. Mm. They have to play towards the common interest before they can play towards their own. They gotta. Oh, that's true. That's they, true. They gotta. They gotta set the groundwork. They gotta be like, "Hey, just so you know, we're not that evil yet." Right. <laughs> I was. Um, I was just gonna bring up a dumb joke about how maybe I didn't like parts six and seven as much because they involved math. Now. <laughs> Wait a minute! Rocky's trying to get us to learn. <laughs> It's the last thing I want to do when I read JoJo. I mean, Kira was doing trigonometry, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, they d- conveniently took that part out of the out of the anime, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I really like the stands in Part Seven. Um, I mean, like even the big, 
the big ones with uh you know you got um d4c um well i'm blanking on the name the rainbow one. Oh, uh catch the rainbow yeah catch the rainbow uh scary monsters like they're all really interesting stands but even like the the smaller ones um i thought were interesting like poco loco stand um hey yeah which uh I liked it because at first it seemed like it was going to be story relevant, right? Like we spent a lot of time following Poco Loco <laughs> around and his luck stand and the stand is basically like, you've got great luck. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. And then he kind of <laughs> drops out of the story and then he wins the race. <laughs> I And I went, you know what? I like that. It was like, this had no relevance on anything <laughs> other than the fact that he was just gonna always win because he is super lucky and that was like that was the truth <laughs> i mean he's the first stand user we see in the part it well depending makes... on uh, depending on how you feel about sandman but uh, i guess he could have been i i don't i don't remember did he always have his stand or did he get it along the way in the race because if i'm right he always had it he always had it yeah. okay yeah he he got it through wandering through the desert i don't know same time mountain tim did i don't know <laughs> Like, who knows? Uh, Oh, Mountain Tim. I love that guy. Mountain Tim, I will say, he's a cowboy I can get behind. Yeah, Uh, like, what what an honorable fellow. Except for that whole, you know, uh, hitting on a 14-year-old thing. Okay, well, I I have a specific point I want to make about Lucy later, but, um, (laughs) yeah, like, man, a lot of people hitting on Lucy. Yeah, it's not... A lot lot of people. President's wife, Mountain Tim... Dio. Dio, everyone except her husband. But I mean, kind of her husband in a way. Like he's like, oh, no, I just want to take care of you, and like, but come on, secretly deep down, he's hoping that his virtue will be so great that by the time she's like legally old enough to marry, that you know she'll pick him. So what you're saying is that he's just white knighting this whole time. Yeah, uh, white knighting at best, <laughs> and like grooming at worst. <laughs> like it's a little, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about Stephen Steele um, and his intentions. I don't know how honorable or true they were. <laughs> it, it sounds like a good story, but like honestly, like if you really want to be a nice guy, you could just like not marry her, right? <laughs> like you could just <laughs> you could just pay the man's stuff and just move on. Like that if you is very to be true. A guy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, what I what I found super super interesting um, is that Tusk. And his transformations are not the same as, like, how Echoes operates. Oh, yes. Very true. At, at all. Um, which is really, really interesting. And, in fact, I think we're going to do a whole episode on how the other supernatural powers sort of uh, affect and work together with stands. Um, because there was a really interesting intro prologue piece of Part 7 that kind of got us thinking about this. So I don't want to get too much into it right now. But, like, the fact that... Tusk's abilities and his act changes are based on Johnny's control of the spin, I thought was really, really interesting. Um, You know, like, he can't just switch into Tusk Act 2 or Tusk Act 3. He has to do... He has to perform the things that make it work. He has to see the golden triangle and think about the infinite spin and all that stuff. Like, yeah, he can't just, like, power over to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's got to gradually build it up. Right, but but it's like, even after he's learned, like, 
act two, he couldn't just use it like during the uh, Waka Pipo fight because there were no um, golden rectangles, right? Yeah. So he couldn't he couldn't see the rectangle, and so therefore he couldn't spin his nails the correct way. So he couldn't access act two, even though he had already activated it. So I just thought that was really interesting the way that those interacted. I mean, the stand fights, except for a very few exceptions, aren't about the two stands punching at each other, you know? Yeah. In fact, it's sort of weird to me that the only time you really saw it was like Act 4 beating up D4C. <laughs> I thought it was a nice little change of pace, uh, especially considering we didn't get much aura aura throughout the part. But then like right at the end, with all that aura aura, it was like, yeah, that's, that's good. That's spicy. Which is interest, very interesting because it's Gyro who says all the auras before then, you know? Yeah. So it's like Johnny <laughs> is using aura as like a tribute. I, I'd always wondered like if aura like meant something that I was unaware of because Gyro used it as well. I thought to myself like, oh, that's just Jotaro's battle cry, you know? <laughs> but, you know, Gyro, he's throwing them steel balls around. And he's like, aura! And I was like, <gasps> no. Is he? Could he? Is he allowed to say that? <laughs> You're breaking the rules, Gyro. That's a Joe Star phrase. Um, yeah, I mean that was really interesting because then it kind of puts a, like a different meaning on Johnny saying "aura," you know. Yeah. Um, there's also the panel which I screenshotted to you where <laughs> Gyro says "yari yari daze," but <laughs> <laughs> we ignore that one. I mean, like, like yada yada is a common Japanese phrase. It's just that you know, it's Jotaro uses it all the time, which is why it makes him famous. It's not like a special <laughs> phrase, but still, I thought it was funny. Like, one, especially, I think it was the same issue. He's yelling aura one minute, and then he's going yada yada, and the next, I'm like, come on, dude, <laughs> you're not the JoJo. Stop it. So what you're saying is that Jotaro has three alternate world incarnations. Oh man, he just won't stop. He just he keeps coming back. Just Jotaro, come on, man! You were already in all like the highest number of parts. Like chill. <laughs> you count part eight, like, like you just can't be stopped. <laughs> Cannot. Um. So then there was something that I really um thought was interesting that I think I caught correctly. I don't have the tools to verify it, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. After the big long explanations about the golden ratio and the golden spiral, right? And how all those things work in art and nature. I started noticing that a lot of the panels are using the golden ratio. The panels themselves? Yeah, like the actual art. So what I started first noticing was like that a lot of the composition of the panels use the spiral. Um, so you can pick, especially near the end, like any panel where, like there's a panel in, I'm thinking of in particular where Gyro has Lucy on his horse and the way that she's curled and the way that his hair is flowing is like, it's a, it's a spiral. He's using the golden spiral in that moment. But if you actually look at the panel dimensions and that 1.61 to one ratio, you can actually start seeing like he's. Araki's actually using golden rectangles in the layout design itself. <laughs> wow. You're going to go back and look later, aren't you? I'm, you should. I'm already you, looking. You should all do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking right now as we speak. <laughs> wow. I had never seen anybody talk about the actual panel layout. Dang. That's impressive. 
maybe I'm just not auteur enough. I, I never would have noticed something <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, and I, I just started really thinking about, like, this golden ratio is really important to the story. And I went, you know, Araki is just the kind of guy that might start using it, you know, like everywhere. <laughs> um, and it, it actually explains kind of a lot um, of the art style. So if you go on, um, just people at home, just Google how to use the golden ratio in drawing a face, for example, right? Um, there, the golden ratio is all over the place in terms of where like your eye placement is and like the size of your lips versus the size of your cheeks and all sorts of stuff, right? Um, and if you study like a, a golden ratio drawn face, it is exactly how he draws faces in part seven. Hmm which is why it brings out that more realistic look because again, the golden ratio is a thing that happens in nature and you know, our eyes, our DNA, our entire existence is sort of attracted to it just because it's so natural within us. Wow. Um, and again, I can't really verify the panel thing. I'm, I'm pretty sure it, cause I'm just eyeballing it. Right. Cause 1.61 to one ratio is like a little bit over one and a half. Um, and the golden rectangles may not exactly be golden rectangles, but they're pretty close. I'm pretty sure. Huh. Um, and then if you kind of look at some, how to do landscapes, using the golden ratio. He draws his landscapes with the, that ratio, like with where the horizon placement is, where the, um, like the the interesting points of of the view are placed like it's just very there's too many examples to to really think that it's accidental i think araki learned about the golden ratio went oh this is cool started drawing with it and then just incorporated it into the entire theme of the manga wow so he used the golden ratio to make faces in part seven and he used the art of i don't know the concept rather of stalling time to make the faces in part eight (laughs) well i mean look the golden ratio has an infinite spiral right like something that never ends like there you go he's just writing in a spiral (laughs) he's writing in an infinite spiral yeah it's just it goes on and on and on i mean what did you say the (laughs) other day like the last 10 issues was like a two-hour time period um i I i'm 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 wrong on that one but i know like at least like the last like five have been in like a two-hour time period yeah yeah, so, you know, the Fibonacci sequence, every iteration goes a little bit longer. <laughs> so, for, like, we're going to be at, like, chapter 200, and it's going to be, like, five seconds until the Rokakaka is in bloom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the green baby stand all over again, oh, just no. always approaching infinity, never quite getting there. <laughs> oh, no. The time stalling in part eight is a JoJo reference. <laughs> None of us have seen it. Oh, no. Well, anyway, art nerds, go ahead and, and go through part seven again and see if verify for me, please, whether the, the golden ratio thing I found is, is accurate or not. Because if so, I think I've scooped it. I've never seen anyone else talk about this. So I think I, I think I got him. Yeah, you might have cracked the case on this one. Yeah. It's impressive. I did it. We can stop the podcast. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We've contributed to the JoJo. Uh... JoJo is solved. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's no longer a question. Why, why do people? Why do people like JoJo? Golden ratio. Okay, moving on. That's it. It's the one factor. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> Doesn't imply until seven parts in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I just when I when I kind of started thinking about it more, it just makes the tiny headed Jonathan so much more hilarious. <laughs> 
Like, how very off you could be from the uh, the golden ratio to be <laughs> drawing tiny-headed Jonathan like that. <laughs> Horse-neck Joseph? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, um, a couple other things I want to talk about for part seven. Lucy Steele. I'm going to move her to number one Joe Bro. I'm going to do it. Lucy Steele, number one Joe Bro? Yep, I'm doing it. Lucy Steele, number one Joe Bro. Oh, no, bro. Yeah, think about it. She is probably the most dynamic female character in all of JoJo. And I know that sucks to say because Jolene exists and was literally a JoJo. (laughs) But Lucy is constantly driving the story forward from her own will. Like, she just decides, I have to save my husband. And then puts herself at risk against the most dangerous people, perhaps in all of JoJo. I mean... D4C is not a stand to sneeze at, right? In fact, I think we're going to do like a mat- a matchup uh, episode pretty soon. And I think anyone fighting D4C for a lot is going to be really hard to beat. Um, <laughs> she has no stand. Yeah, none. <laughs> and is th- throwing herself into the, the jaws of danger. Um, even at the very end, like... She's the one to to find the corpse. You know, she's the one to chop off Dio's head. She's the one that, you know, says we can take the train and beat them there and, and meet them at the at the church. Like, she's just the one, like, solving problems <laughs> um, for no motivation, no self-gain. You know, not, her mom's not threatened. Her, like, her town's not threatened. She doesn't have a dream of being a gang star. She just has to do the right thing. Um, is the least equipped to do so, and and it just pulls it out every time. Just incredible. So you know, Lucy Steele, hats off to you. You know, you might even outrank Speedwagon in some some sense. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. I don't know either. Because <laughs> someone said the other day, um, man, Speedwagon came in so clutch. He set up several generations to be forever rich and i'm like you know what that's pretty good (laughs) can't argue with that (laughs) um but lucy i think would give him a run for his money i just think she was a great character um for a lot of reasons but i think that being that dynamic and seizing action was just so cool it is impressive lucy i i will give lucy props uh, she did go through a lot of tribulations in Part 7 without a stand or without any means of defending herself. She had to get real creative. Oh, oh yeah. Even when she had Cream Starter, it was like, I mean, she's tearing off pieces of her clothes and like writing secret messages on them. Yeah, there's there's no beating her. Yeah, it's like just wily. Um, hot Pants, I was a little disappointed in Hot Pants. <laughs> Well, she's kind of flat and boring. Hot Pants didn't play as big a role as I thought she was going to. Yeah. I mean, important role. Um, interesting character. I, I think I wish I'd seen more. Yeah. Is is that her brother? I couldn't figure this out. Uh, who? So remember Hot Pants, um, her backstory is that, like, she and her brother get attacked by a bear. Yeah. Right? And she's carrying that guilt, which is what the guilt that Civil War uses against her. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's panels where she's like, you know, I killed my child or whatever. And I'm like, is that really her brother? I, I think. Cause you know, like sometimes 
you know, if you have a young pregnancy, sometimes they'll say that you're the you're the younger brother, and then the parents will raise them as the parent. Like that's a thing that happens in real life. Yeah. So I was like, is that really her brother, or was that like secretly her son? <laughs> I think it's her brother. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's her brother. I, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't led to believe anything else really. I just thought the imagery of because you know when he's growing out of her at first. <laughs> I thought I was the film major. I thought I was the one that was supposed to be looking at that and saying like, "What?" Well, <laughs> and saying like, "Oh, don't you see? This represents." Well, then, then you do that. Then, but I was just saying like, you know, it looked like, you know, when the what do you call it? His face like peeking out as part of her. I was like, is that like a pregnancy reference? Because you know, body and body joined together. <laughs> it's one thing to make a JoJo on top reference. of the fact. <laughs> it's another thing to have JoJo make a pregnancy reference. That's where pregnancy is a JoJo reference. <laughs> well, because that on top of the fact that she was a nun too, right? Yeah. Like I was like, are we, are we like really stacking on some imagery here? I don't know. Are we doing some? But I guess you're. I mean, secret sin. Maybe I was. Yeah. Well, it is about secret sin, right? Isn't that the whole point of the stand? That is. I, yeah. I just made a redundant statement. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. I don't know. Maybe I, I, a horse, I should just call a horse a horse. Maybe I, I'm reading too much into it. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, can we conclude definitively that Lucy Steele versus Cars, uh, Lucy would win? Hmm. Well, she did beat, what's his name, right? Or no, who beat that guy? Who beat? The guy who stopped thinking eventually, <laughs> who lives in the river. Oh, oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Uh, Proto Cars. Yeah, I can't remember his name now. Um, part. I'm going to Google it. Part 7 River Guy. See if this works. Magenta Magenta. Wow, it worked. Magenta Magenta. What a creative name. <laughs> the invulnerable 20th century boy. Yeah. I did like how his stand do be looking like a bug, though. And how he's just kind of... Yeah. Oh, right. He kind of kills himself when he's fighting Weka people. <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> so, so Lucy Steele, definitely. She can be ultimate cars. Um, She probably would have done something... Like, uh, switched out the stone of Asia, <laughs> you know, so Cars got his face on the ground, like, I'm just going to wait for Stroheim to use the UV rays. And then he'd be like, ha ha ha, fools. And then she'd be like, oh, you're looking for this? And then Stroheim would have melted him. So in this version of Jojo, where Lucy Steele is the one facing ultimate Cars uh, head on, it is the third Reich who wins. <laughs> I, hey, listen. I think Joseph's still there. <laughs> He's still there, but his point, his, his his role in that point of the story is heavily minimized. Um. Well, I mean, is it any less minimized than the actual story where he got lucky? <laughs> <laughs> but he had and the volcano blew up. He had to be the one who got lucky. All right. <laughs> Let's give him that. No, he was lucky that Lucy was there. <laughs> <laughs> well. Okay, yeah, you frame it like that, then. <laughs> All right, let's let's make a note of this. We got to do an episode, uh, Lucy Steele versus everything, and let's see if I can figure out how Lucy would have won. <laughs> Every character can be ultimate cars. Uh, okay, last thing I want to talk about for part seven: uh, the end battle, Dio versus Johnny. Ooh. Omg! So look, I knew this was gonna happen, right? Because. I played Eyes of Heaven. I saw that there were two Dio's. Yeah. 
I saw that there was one with the world. <clears throat> and obviously, when you have a character who can go through multiple universes, not hard to put together. So I knew it was coming. But still, the way Araki drew it, I got hyped. I was like, oh, man. Because, you know, Johnny's chasing someone. He's like, I don't know who this is. Like, there's some kind of implication. Maybe it's Diego. And then he just vanishes and appears. He starts throwing knives. And you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> um, it's, it is, like, on one level sort of, like, fan fiction-y. Like, what if Dio in the world fought Tusk Act 4? Um, but it was such a good fight. Um, because I think, you know, the world is a perfect close-range stand. Tusk is very much a long-range stand. They both know this about each other, and they're just constantly trying to outdo the other in, in what ability and strength they have. I also felt it was sort of, like, shockingly, I don't know, cathartic, or, like, it just felt right. I, that's the biggest thing I was worried about, was that it was going to feel shoehorned in for, like, fan fanaticism or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it felt right that alternate Jonathan had to to end the battle fighting Dio. <laughs> Like, it just had to be that way. Yeah. I'm not sure I would have been able to go through the part without thinking about dubstepped farts at least once. <laughs> um, and I just... Uh, it was just such a good fight. Like, I, I didn't think it was going to be that good, but it was. Um, and I think what I really liked about it, too was it really put a pin on the complexity of Valentine as a character. Yeah. Um, Valentine, solid villain. Maybe the best. <laughs> um, you I... know, prior to that, I think I would have said Kira was the best, but I think Valentine's better. Yeah, you're switching boats? I think so. Wow, funny Valentine gang. It's just, he's such a complex person, you know? Like... On the one level, you think he wants to do this for a good cause, mm -hmm. um, but it's also kind of a patriotic, nationalistic cause, right? It's like, I want to do this for my people, but just for America. Who <laughs> cares what happens to the rest of the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, which, we're getting a little long on time, but I could do probably a whole episode about how Iraqi exploring nationalistic themes is very like consistent with the history of Japanese literature post the world war two. Cause that, that struggle with national identity is very much like a post world war two Japanese struggle, mm. but it's also a very apt description of American foreign policy too. Like I actually think part seven has a very interesting layered, um, depiction of world politics and nationalism, but whatever, moving on from that. Cause I don't want to bore the audience. Um, <laughs> You know, he seems to be, like, a, a fairly altruistic guy, but then Johnny calls him out on his crap. He's like, all right, well, there's the gun that you used to kill Gyro. Grab it, you know? Mm -hmm. Come take it, because if you don't have another gun, then I can trust you. You know, obviously he did have another gun, and he couldn't trust him, but then infinite spin. <laughs> but um, I think having him bring Dio through is, like, the final nail in the coffin, right? It's like... No, like, like he's like, I understand you, Dio. You, uh, you crave power more than anything. Um, you're not a good person. You don't have the altruism. You don't have this like diehard view of patriotism like I do. 
but you will prevent the corpse from leaving America. So I'm going to let you have it. And that is like the most damning statement you can make about funny Valentine. He just like, he's willing to forego all of his other morals just to make sure America has this special thing. Yeah. I've spent too much time thinking about this. If you could tell. (laughs) No, but it's it's excellent. I think it's excellent um, character, you know, taking, like, a character dive and really just kind of looking into, like, I guess, like, a, a more complex side of, like, this character and these political dynamics within the manga that we hadn't seen before or even, like, stopped to really notice. Yeah, that's true. You, there's not so much of this in, like, part one. <laughs> yeah. I think the most politic, the most political thing they ever get to part one is um, uh, something about aristocrats. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like elitism, the bad. <laughs> Don't you understand? Being rich is only bad when the poor try doing it. Yeah, <laughs> that is essentially the message, isn't it? A little. I don't know. Speedwagon did it right. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> did you know that classism in part one? <laughs> hmm. I can make a video on that. <laughs> Uh, maybe i should did you know that during the events of part seven funny valentine is 48 years old 48 years old yes which 48 years old yeah 48 years old i mean i'm starting to sound like a broken record but 48 years old i can't believe he was 48 years old and you know that like scene where funny valentine his he get told that his dad died in a pow camp during the civil war yeah and he's like a small child he would have had to Mm -hmm. have been like 13 by the time that happened hmm so we so that's not small child Valentine. That is thirteen year old funny Valentine playing in a <laughs> playing with puppies. Mm. Which honestly just mm. he was <laughs> makes me more endeared. He was very cute. Yeah, he was very cute as a child. Those little ringlets. Yeah. He was. <laughs> I just get endeared to him even more, quite honestly. By the by the way, literal golden spirals. <laughs> in his hair. Just saying. Just saying, people. Oh, my God. So, anyway, part seven, um, very good part. Enjoyed reading it a lot. I mean, uh, we might have to do another episode on part seven, because I didn't even get to, like, the gunslinger guy. Uh, road again. On the road again. Uh, man, that's just so so good. He's got, he's got the double reference. Not only is he the best Beatle, but he's also referenced to On the Road Again. And how does he get his soul patch in that in that uh, skull shape? I'm telling you, it's natural. <laughs> That's just how his hair naturally forms. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no, go ahead. Go I was ahead. just gonna say he stopped trying to he stopped trying to combat it. He's <laughs> just I accept that I will have a skull on my face. <laughs> if you let his beard grow, does it like go to a full skeleton? <laughs> Yes, it's a full skeleton that hangs off his face. <laughs> That's when he knew that his role in life would be a villain. Uh, okay, very quick crack fit corner. I think, uh, despite everything I just said, it's possible Lucy Steele had a stand. She's got a ticket to ride. I mean, other than that one. <laughs> other than being literal Jesus stand. Um I think she has a stand. I think it's called My Sharona. Oh. Um, and, and let me... Oh, I had this up and I closed it. Let me let me explain why. All right. Um, here, here are the lyrics to My Sharona. <clears throat> uh, never gonna stop. 
Give it up, such a dirty mind. I always get it up for the touch of the younger kind. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. I think uh I think Lucy Stan My Sharona um has the ability that when someone wants to hurt her, instead they just get really horny for her. <sighs> Might as well just name the Stan Lolita. <laughs> But think about it. Every time she was in danger, all of a sudden, like <laughs> the the first lady, the president, Dio, like I'm gonna kill you. But well, I don't know. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. You do be looking. Hmm. <laughs> and I mean, not just like, oh, you're cute. Like hypnotically, uh, you know. They're just like entranced with her even dio i mean dio yeah like who loves power more than anything <laughs> willing to get his head bashed in by his head for a chance at some uh, lucy there yeah hmm. just saying something to think about crack thick corner <laughs> crack thick corner crack thick corner all right all right i understand that was very uh well, we've discovered multiple things today. We discovered that Lucy could be Ultimate Cars. We discovered that she had a secret stand called My Sharona. We discovered that Ringo's uh, beard would be a full skeleton. A very uh, progressive <laughs> podcast, this one. Yeah, go back and check out the Golden Ratios. Yes, please. I, I need somebody to email me, something like that. Now, uh, shall we go on to Meme of the uh, Week? Meme of the Week. You go. I go? Yeah, you go. I gotta pull it up and I gotta... I've been... I gotta look at it. You know, this quarantine internet, it, it kind of sucks, you know? You, you've known this has been coming <laughs> for an hour. Oh, I know. <laughs> you don't have your meme open? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I, I have my meme open. I have my meme open. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It's a, it's a picture of uh, Joseph putting on his headband in the opening of Battle Tendency. And there's like the white box text where it's like, Jojo and Caesar get matching headbands. So cool. Can't wait to get that. Get, can't wait to get to that part. Oh. It's <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> well, um, I do want to give, before I give my actual meme, I do want to give a shout out to... Um, the uh, behind the scenes memes and mm. i know I, I guess that's been a meme um in other sectors of the meme economy i guess if you want to call it that uh, but i'm gonna find the username real quick here this guy's been posting memes where it's it treats the jojo characters as if they are actors um and then they give like a little behind the scenes like discussion about uh what it was like to work on the set or whatever okay here we, oh you know i gotta tell you the one thing i hate about reddit is that the usernames are just horrifying <laughs> um so this is from user hagrid's abortion <laughs> um and he did a whole set of these um where you can uh or yeah it's just jojo characters and acting as if they were um were actors so like this one i found is for uh, for Dio. He's like, oh, it would have been so much easier to stick my head on Jonathan's body. Instead, I had to follow his strict workout regimen every day to ensure my body was as perfect as his. 
Who wakes up at 3 a.m. for steak? I've never felt better, though. Having to stay in Cairo for filming is the icing on the cake. A great body and a great tan. I'd have done this for free. <laughs> uh, so anyway, those are worth checking out. They're very funny. Um, but because of the, the, the crazy times we are living in, I picked a very wholesome meme for my meme of the week. It comes from uh, Reddit user DG underscore Zano. And it's just Josuke. And he says, hey, guys, Josuke here. Remember, a song named Great Days began with a breakdown. <laughs> Trust me, it's healthy to cry a bit, so don't be afraid to let it out sometimes. Aw. Thanks, Josuke. I appreciate you know, that. I think we all need to hear that. That reminds me of a meme I saw where it says people explaining why they like part seven, and it's like this giant book, and it's like people explain why they like part four, and it's just a picture of Josuke, and it says it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this episode is exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we literally spent 15 minutes talking about, like, who was cute in part four, and then I was, like, breaking down politics in part seven. <laughs> <laughs> like, to, like, oh, break God. down class inequality in part one. <laughs> it's coming, guys. It's coming. The heavy stuff is coming. Um, all right. Hit the outro. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. And if you'd like to uh, send, hit us with one of those um, uh, listener requests, you can email us at nodignitypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at nodignitypod and Instagram at nodignitypodcast. Uh, I've been Alejandro. You can find me on YouTube at asquidtv, Instagram at asquidv, even though I don't really post anymore, only really story stuff. And um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, asquidv. Yeah, and if you want to send in an audio clip like Rewind Gamer, go to anchor.fm slash no dignity. Uh, all my other stuff is at sillzeromedia.com. I'm doing a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out. Um, also started a TikTok. Yeah, I did that. Um, TikTok, username Chris Ng one all one word. I did a JoJo reference one. I've got a bunch <laughs> of other JoJo references planned, um, but TikTok as appropriate has been talking about the issues going on so i felt like i'm gonna wait to do those because now it's not really the time um also i just want to give a free shout out i don't know this guy but i just love his stuff i'm, I'm just gonna shout him out anyway um i've been watching a lot of youtube reaction videos to jojo because i think jojo's a perfect show for watching people react <laughs> um and this uh, youtuber uh dj spelled d-e-e-j-a-i uh, he has really funny reaction videos for Jojo. They're very, very heavily edited, like in a good way. Um, you know, he, he obviously cares about the content. He will only, uh, post the parts that I've, you know, he thinks are interesting or he's got a good reaction. So you can get through sometimes three episodes in about 20 minutes. <laughs> um, he also loves Koichi. So, you know, he's got that going for him. Um, you know, and he's just, he's just, he's a small channel. He's got only got like a thousand subscribers or something. So, you know, check him out. Help the guy out. He's a good guy. Well, I don't know if he's a good guy, but I like his channel. <laughs> wow. Wow. Such a nice one. Well, yeah. Well, you know, um, hey, before we go, uh, did you hear that, uh, during the, uh, the protest riots that, uh, uh, Gyro told one of the, uh, police officers to fall off his horse? Really? Dignity. To be continued. <laughs> dun, 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 dun.